welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management, LLC. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment, tax, or legal advice or as a solicitation to offer or buy any security. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management LLC may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. This is week 27. Today is January 17th, and this is your weekly market insights on the Northbound Wealth Management podcast. You're with your host, Brent Foster. Here we go. So stocks rallied last week thanks to fresh confirmation of inflation's cooling trend and a growing optimism that inflation, the slowdown, may provide the Fed with some space to ease up on future rate hikes. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 2%, while the S&P 500 advanced 2.67%. The NASDAQ Composite Index surged 4.82% for the week. The MSCI EFA Index, which tracks developed overseas stock markets jumped 3.32%. So what does that mean for the Dow? The Dow closed at 34.302. That's up 3.49% for the year. The NASDAQ closed at 11,079 and change. That's up 5.85% for the year. The MSCI EFA index closed at 2,062. That's up 6.08% for the year. And the SP 500 closed at 3,999, nearly 4,000, right? That's up 4.16% for the year. 10-year treasury note closed uh, at 3.50%. That's down uh, 0.05% for the week. And year to date, that's down 3.8%, uh, 0.38%, excuse me, for the year. Uh, improving sentiment. So sentiment came into the new year weighted down by recession fears and concerns that the Fed rate hikes may go higher for longer. Last week, was a different narrative. Um, sustained declines in inflation, a rate hike cycle nearing an end, and a resilient economy that may avoid recession resulted in a broad-based rally. Moderating inflation was evident in the Consumer Price Index, or CPI, report released on Thursday, which in combination with a strong labor report on the previous Friday gave investors confidence that the environment for stocks had improved. Stocks extended their gains to end the week as uh, a few money center banks kicked off new earnings seasons uh, with the upbeat report. Uh, inflation is cooling. So December CPI report showed a 0.1% decline in prices from November and a 6.5% increase from a year ago. It was the sixth consecutive month of decelerating year-over-year -year increases. So core prices, which excludes food and energy, slowed to 5.7% a decline from the previous month's 6% year-over-year rise. For the last three months, core prices have risen at an annualized rate of 3.1%. That's the slowest pace in over a year. Falling gasoline prices of negative 9.4% accounted for most of the monthly decline in the CPI. Used car prices was down 2.5%. Uh, that was another bright spot. So uh, key economic data this week, uh, Wednesday, producer price index, retail sales, then industrial production, Thursday, housing starts, jobless claims, and then Friday, existing home sales. This week, uh, notable companies reporting earnings, that would be Tuesday, uh, Goldman Sachs Group, Morgan Stanley, then Charles Schwab, Wednesday, United Airlines, PNC, then Prologis, Thursday, Netflix, and then Procter & Gamble, Friday, Schlumberger, and PPG Industries. Tax benefits 
for charitable giving. Giving back to others feels good and is a great way to support your community and those in need, but it also has tax advantages. According to the IRS, most charitable contributions are deductible as an itemized deduction when you file your taxes, including cash and property contributions. Some contributions aren't tax deductible, so check the current tax law or talk to your accountant uh, before deducting charitable gifts from your tax return. You can, you can even use the interactive tax assistant on the IRS website if you see uh, to see if your charitable contribution is deductible. And as a reminder, this information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax professional. And this tip was adapted from irs.gov. So on to uh, the next segment, you'll find very interesting. So there was a note published on January 19th and it is market and volatility commentary by JP Morgan. And this note was written by Marco Kolonovic. And in December, uh, their publication, it says, we turned outright negative on global equities. The recent weakening of economic data, example, the ISM industrial production, regional surveys, retail sales, and others, uh, and anticipated decline in earnings expectations are pointing to markets that are likely to move lower in our view. Economic slowdown and weakening corporate fundamentals are happening in an environment where interest rates are very high. The Fed funds rate is at its highest level since 2007, rising and likely to stay high as stated by the Fed on several occasions. Whether the terminal rate is higher or lower by a few hikes at this point does not matter in our view, given the absolute level of rates and the shock that was introduced into the system in the second half of last year. Layoffs are starting uh, uh, layoffs are starting to happen and given margin pressures, they are likely to accelerate in the backdrop of, of this negative development. Markets have been fairly resilient and in many segments moved significantly higher this year. Does that mean that recession was priced in, positioning was sufficiently low or something else? So before they address the, the question of that, they go on to talk about the recession. Uh, they note that uh, recent flows have been positive, primarily driven by systematic inflows on account of declining volatility. Volatility significantly declined in December, helped by low trading activity and hedging of long option positions. And they talk about some of those option positions, which I won't on this podcast. But what they're saying is that there is a January effect of new 401k allocations rotating from growth to value, as well as increased uh, risk positions by long only funds. However, they think that uh, all of those drivers are running out of steam and markets are heading towards uh, recession are being further aggravated by central bank tightening. We think that a recession is currently not priced in equity markets. We do not agree with the argument that because a recession is consensus, although uh, more and more we believe in a soft landing, the market and economic outcome have to be better. For example, one out of consensus scenario is a much more severe recession or one that strikes much sooner than consensus expects. So I talked about this on the state of the markets that the consensus view is that the S&P 500 is really going to finish the year where it started around 4,000. Um, and that the consensus out of like 17 of the 
the largest banks is that we're heading for recession and that recession is going to happen in 2023. Well, here we are at the middle of January and it's probably going to be a recession. So this, this articulates an out of consensus view that maybe we have a more severe recession than we previously had thought or that consensus believes. Marco and Brian Kaplan go on to talk about more and more detail. So about what their view is in supporting charts and data analytics in regards to that. And then there's another uh, article that they published uh, that's more of a broader based team approach. It's the cross asset strategy. And they say that we remain cautious on risk assets and reluctant to chase the past couple of weeks or the beginning of this year, the rally uh, that, that we've seen in equity markets as recession and over tightening risks remain high. And we believe that a lot of good news is already in the price of stocks in terms of inflation moderation or the potential for soft landing. While signs of declining inflation pressures are in principle positive, ongoing tightness in labor markets is likely to put pressure on margins and, and may cause central banks to tighten further than markets currently expect. So they're adjusting their model portfolio views based on their analytics. Um, and so that was that was also published on January 19th. So I thought that that would be important to share with you as it is in line with some of what I'm also thinking in regards to the equity markets at the beginning of this year. There was an article written in the Indianapolis Business Journal. It was written by Peter Dunn, also known as Pete the Planner. I thought it was a good article, so I figured I'd share it with you. Uh, in the article headline reads, yes, a financial planner is really worth the money. So there's a question that comes in from Mark from Carmel, Indiana. You seem to always mention to readers that they should talk to their financial advisors. I know you're a financial expert, but it seems like telling people they should pay someone else to manage their money is a blanket statement, which doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. How do you justify consistently giving that advice? One of the toughest challenges of giving relatively specific advice is that to the masses is my guidance will always lead someone slightly astray if I'm not careful. This is why I often hedge with certain words, explain exceptions, and give advice only when I'm incredibly certain. A vast majority of Americans should eventually have a financial planner, and of that I am certain. I'm guessing you notice the word eventually. The nuance to my stance is most Americans don't currently need a financial planner. However, most people who read my column in the IBJ do currently need a financial advisor. I'm not trying to trap you, me, or the financial planners in a web of semantics, but I think details matter. Think of your financial life on a scale of 1 to 10. Measured in complexity, on the low end of the scale, you have opening a checking account and paying bills. And on the high end of the scale, you, had to, you have advanced estate planning and choosing a private equity fund to participate in. Most Americans need help with only one through seven. And when you need help with eight through 10, you most certainly need a financial advisor. Most IBJ readers need help with eight through 10. More specifically, the eight through 10 folks shouldn't do it themselves for several reasons. And possessing a deficiency in any of these areas is reason enough to employ a financial planner. The first reason you should hire a financial advisor is the primary reason 
people don't hire a financial advisor. You need an advisor to help you screen and select your specific investments. The average investor absolutely does not have the sophistication and discipline it requires to screen and select investments throughout their lifetime. That being said, some amateur investors do have this skill and can find success in managing their own portfolios. The next reason most people shouldn't go it alone involves technical financial planning. Are you making progress towards your goals? Do you even have specific enough goals? And if you aren't on track, what are you doing about it? This is where the majority of my point is made. A good financial advisor provides direction and accountability when things start to go awry. I don't know about you, but I don't think it takes much for a financial life to get weird. And the longer the detour goes unaddressed, the harder it is to get to your destination. Have you ever had a repair person come to your home, perform a four second task that you had no idea was a thing, charge you 85 bucks, then head off to the next Rube's home? Me too. It's humbling. The same seemingly esoteric processes occur in the financial world, and most people don't possess the skills and tools to perform those tasks themselves. You can either fight this reality or accept it. Additionally, a professional financial advisor has more than a cursory understanding of risk tolerance, risk capacity, and time horizon. As much money as you think you're saving by avoiding planning fees, it's incredibly likely you'll lose opportunity on the back end via the classic not knowing what you didn't know situation. And while I realize that cover all, slightly condescending explanation of financial blind spots feels reductive, I assure you it's valid and true. Finally, there are several external elements to a financial plan that change on a regular basis. In other words, when policy and law changes affect the plan and you don't realize it because you don't look in the places where the changes are published, then your plan can become instantly invalid. A good financial advisor can mitigate this risk quite easily. The bottom line is quality financial planners will more than make up their fees by simply providing insight on how both internal and external factors affect your financial plan. Can amateur investors planners do the same things themselves? Sure but with less frequency and success than you might want to believe. So Dunn is the CEO of Your Money Line, powered by Pete the Planner, an employee benefit organization focused on solving employees' financial challenges. Um, I do like him. I like the content he puts out, and he's about trying to help people uh, navigate their financial lives. Uh, and so kudos to Mr. Dunn, well-written article. I think everybody needs financial advice and uh, maybe some more than others at different points of their life, whether you're in the very beginning stages uh, in, in just getting a budget going and maybe getting married to being married and having kids and then having your working careers go on and decisions around that and buying and sell, selling homes, making investments, and then also later stages in preparing for retirement and then retirement income stages and uh, estate planning at the end. And it's uh, it can be very complicated. Taxes always change, laws change, and uh, and the environment's always changing. So it's, all, it's good to have somebody help you navigate your financial plan and your journey along the way so that you can make the most informed decisions possible for you and your family. All right. With that, we'll talk to you guys next week. I'll share more and more information with you. Take care and have a great rest of your week.